So, Rachel. Yeah? A startling surprise awaits the crew of the Enterprise when a mission costs the life of a crew member who left her son behind. Hmm. Let's say Troy will be assigned to look after the grieving child while they transport him to other family. Or they'll forget to use Troy and Data and Worf or Bev will do it. <laughs> Surely Wes will be in this episode and he'll express some feelings about his mom's absence for a year. Ooh, all right. Interesting. Let's uh, take a look and see. Rachel watches Star Trek. Commander, away team reporting in. Lieutenant Worf standing by. This is Riker. Go ahead, Lieutenant. The archaeologists have identified the markings in these caverns. This planet was apparently once home to a race known as the Koinonians. What do we know about them, Data? The Koinonians were an intelligent culture which became embroiled in a war that lasted for several generations. Our best evidence indicates they destroyed themselves. We have completed our survey of the third tunnel and will proceed into the ceremonial chamber. Affirmative. Enterprise out. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. We're at RachelWatchesStarTrek.com and, of course, Patreon. We're listening now. Thank you, beautiful patrons. This episode is called... The Bonding. And it's not the one you were thinking of. It wasn't. When you said it was a bad one. It introduced Ronald D. Moore as writer. Yeah, Ronald D. Moore is well known for his reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. Popular for that? Oh, yeah. Battlestar oh. Galactica was, it was one of those shows that was brilliant and it just didn't end very well. Oh, yeah. that's a shame. Yeah. He'd be involved for 10 years, Ronald, after this point. So mm. obviously did well. Yeah. He was living in LA, doing random jobs, a huge fan of TOS, posters all over his apartment. Mm -hmm. His girlfriend was able to arrange a tour of the TNG sets because she was involved in the production in some way. Mm -hmm. And while that was being set up, he wrote a script. He conned the guy giving the tour into reading it, who turned out to be one of Roddenberry's assistants. Oh. This was in season two. It sat in the slush pile for seven months. Michael Piller later found it, bought it and asked him to write another. It was then rewritten by Snodgrass and Pillar. So it begins with Captain Picard sending an away team to investigate an uninhabited planet. The away team is led by Worf. It was once inhabited by the Koinonians, but they killed each other off in war. Do we know why this is important to the Federation, to Starfleet? No, they just... Want to find out what happened? They're, it's know, an archaeological thing, isn't it? I think so, yeah. But why are they doing archaeological? It seems like a science vessel would be yes, handling that kind of stuff. Yes, don't mess in. Not important, really, hmm. to this whole story. It's just the setup. Yeah, Troy senses pain and shouts for an emergency beam-up one second before Worf <laughs> calls up and <laughs> says, can we have an emergency beam-up? So it, you know, proves her powers, but it doesn't actually buy them any time. Yeah. An explosion has killed archaeologist Lieutenant Marla Astor. So I guess they do have archaeologists on board. Yeah, at least one. <laughs> the explosion was caused by an unexploded mine. Mm. It was undetected by all their scans. So it's very high tech stuff. Yeah. She beams in, but she is dead on arrival. Worf is bleeding. He's got burn marks on his uniform. I mean, he's messed up, but it's yeah. Astor that obviously took the brunt of yeah. the explosion. He immediately begins wrestling with his feelings. Um, of being disturbed by the senseless death and feeling, of course, responsible because he was the commanding officer. Yeah. Asta has a 12-year-old son, Jeremy, on the ship. 
whose father is also deceased. He only has an aunt and an uncle living on Earth. That's mm. his only family. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Wonder if he's close to them. I wonder if he even knows them. We might not. Oh. Worf feels honor-bound to be there when Picard tells Jeremy, but Picard says no. He sends LaForge, heading an away team to the planet, to find out what happened. Picard is a little angry and oh, yeah. that this be solved. He doesn't seem angry at Worf, just angry no. at the situation. Yeah. yeah. On the bridge, Wesley tells Riker that he understands what Jeremy's going through. His father also died in the line of duty under Picard's command. Oh, of course, that's yeah. how Wesley will be involved. Yeah. yeah. Riker is a bit harsh, saying all children are prepared for the increased risk of death on these missions. But he kind of listens. Yeah. And I think the tone of this whole thing is pragmatic. This is their approach to preparing people for grief. This is how it is in the 24th century. Yeah. In the lift, Picard rants to Troy about families being aboard the Enterprise, mm. precisely because of situations like this. Uh, I think this is refreshing because this is something a lot of people have said, yeah. fans have said, <laughs> yes. like, why do they have families? It's so dangerous. This yes. is ridiculous. But Troy reminds him that they are mortal on Earth just as well yeah. as they are here. Yes, there's slightly less risk. Depends whether you're sent on an away mission, I guess. Well, I think your risk of something crazy happening is way more likely. You know, like your mom's going to turn into a, a velociraptor or something. <laughs> But if every time someone died, I had to tell their child, I would feel the same as Picard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he makes a good point about that. It mm. just, it seems so risky to have children. I mean, because children can't really consent mm -hmm. to being put in that danger. Sure, adults can go, yeah, I know what I'm getting into. Kids don't. They yeah. don't understand that stuff. It's not even really about having children on board, is it? It's about allowing people who have children to serve. Yeah. Because these children would have to find out their parents had died anyway if they lived on Earth. Yeah, but lots of people, I would say probably a majority of the people in the military mm. have families. Yeah. So yeah. it's just part of the life. Does this happen in the military? Does somebody who served with them or is involved need to be the one who comes and tells the yeah. family? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Saving Pride Ryan. You know, mm. the, the soldiers come up with a flag and the mother knows that, you know, that was her third son that had died mm. in the war. The whole plot of that movie is like she has one last son yeah. and they're going to get him out of the war because yeah. they can't do that to her. Whew, man, this is Ooh, there's so much heaviness in this episode. You can hear the episode. heaviness in her voices already, yeah. can't you? It's, it was a very emotional, this whole episode, for me. Now, we get Picard breaking the news to Jeremy. Jeremy, I have some bad news. There's been an accident. Your mother has died. How, sir? An explosive device at the mission site. She died instantly. I understand. Jeremy, I know your mother loved you very much. I'm told that your father is also dead. Yes, sir. He died five years ago from a rushed-in infection. I'm all alone now, sir. Jeremy, on the Starship Enterprise, no one is alone. No one. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Oh, I'm and not going to cry. And he puts his hand over Jeremy's. <sighs> yeah, the kid's very stoical during mm -hmm. all this. He's good. 
I couldn't decide whether he was wooden or understated. It works much better than if he'd been hamming it or yeah. seeming like he was acting. Gabriel Damon plays Jeremy. He's two years older than me. Oh. He was 13 at the time. Gosh, he looks younger, doesn't he? Yeah, he sure does. They often choose kids who look cuter yeah. and younger, yeah. don't they? And yeah. they? They're older, so they've got the chops to play the part. Right. He was in Punky Brewster and Who's the Boss, among others. But get this, he was the voice for Littlefoot in The Land Before Time. Oh. And as terrible as my memory is, I remember the scene where his mum dies. Oh, my God. Balling my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> at a very young age. It's just the worst thing you can imagine, isn't it? Yeah, of As course. a child. Of course. And so here he is playing that role again. Again? Is this the kid that they went to in the 80s? <laughs> Kid's mom's going to die. Who can we get? Who's stoical and cute? <laughs> <laughs> you can't even see his big eyelashes on the uh, animation. No. No. No, you cannot. He was in Robocop 2, and he's now a real estate broker. Oh, yeah. In Robocop 2, he's a drug dealer kid. Oh. There's this drug called Nuke, and he works for the, the drug boss. And there's a part where Robocop it thinks it's like trying to protect him, and he pulls a gun and shoots Robocop in the head. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he didn't have any roles after being a child actor, or maybe he got not cute. You start getting older, you're interested in your relationships with your friends and mm -hmm. girls or boys or whomever. Yeah, yeah. And stable family life. That stuff kind of becomes more important. I, it's probably for the best to get out of that. Data finds Riker drinking at a table in 10 Forward and asks why humans often ask, how well did you know the person that died? That's really good, isn't it? Yeah. It takes data to help us examine the things that we take for granted. Mm -hmm. Of course, we always say that to see how much support someone needs or yeah. to offer some empathy. Riker explains by using Yar's death, which Data says he sensed a greater loss for among the crew than in this case. Data says, though, shouldn't feelings run as deep regardless of who has died? Wow. Yeah, but no. <laughs> if you miss somebody, you know, if somebody was a part of your life, then their loss will be more keenly felt. Yeah. You can empathize with them and their families mm. and think about that, but you don't have any real connection to it. Yeah. But Data's saying, why is the loss of a human life not felt heavily? No matter who they are, whether mm. you've met them or not. Yeah. And Riker says, if that were true, human history would be a lot less bloody. Yeah. And that hit hard because it's easy to accept or not feel strongly the death of somebody in another country or when there are hundreds of them or someone that I've never met. Yeah, of course. You have to, to manage, don't you? Yeah. You can't feel them as keenly as you would your own close grief hundreds of thousands of people die every day mm. and you can't go around mourning all those people all the time or you yeah. wouldn't get anything done yeah i wonder how troy manages if she's feeling everybody's uh, this whole conversation is sort of reminiscent of the talk between spock and mccoy in the immunity syndrome huh. in that episode spock muses that if humans felt the death of large groups as strongly as they felt the death of one quote it might have rendered your human history a bit less bloody mm. Well, it's almost yeah. the exact same line. Yeah, yeah. Talking about war again here, aren't they? And that is what happened to all of the people on this planet, of course. Yeah. They did kill each other out through war. LaForge returns with an explosive device left over from the Canonian Wars. Several have been pulled up from the ground mysteriously and diffused by someone, mm -hmm. despite there being no sign of life on the planet. Well, there was no sign of the devices either. This whole thing is so dangerous, isn't it? This Starfleet life because mm -hmm. their senses don't detect most of the stuff that's on 
Yeah. Well, not, not most of the stuff. <laughs> most of the things are detected. But when you have things that don't want to be detected, mm. then and their technology is better. I mean, they touch upon that stuff with the Borg, like and Q going, oh, you're just going to throw yourself on the universe. You don't know what's out there. Yeah. And that's the same thing on this planet or the last episode where there was a guy who could wipe out entire species with a thought. Oh, so on the grand scale of technology and sophistication, the Federation's actually pretty low. Mm. If you put it in perspective. Yeah. So are you defending their tricorders or are you just saying they got to deal with it? I'm just saying they're doing the best they can. Yeah. Okay. That's all they can do. Yeah. Now, Worf still feels very unsettled with this situation. And Dawn just comes right out of the gate with a fantastic performance in this episode. He's understated, but he's somehow so full of emotion that he got me tearing up mm. straight away just by the way that he was holding himself. And yeah. Well, how do you do that? He's good. <laughs> yeah. He's good. Can tell exactly what he's going through. Worf was also orphaned by parents who were in the line of duty when oh, they died. Oh, right. And he feels the senselessness of this death, and he's frustrated that there's no enemy to fight or kill to avenge mm. her. That would be part of his Klingon or, you know, even a human way of processing the death. You could punish somebody yeah Uh, yeah. you know there's something just well there's something to do Mm -hmm. as well yes also of course feels responsible because he was the leader yeah as you just indicated a lot of us including Worf need to do something in the face of grief to combat that helplessness yeah often you just can't can you but there's nobody to avenge there's always just dance and cry good idea as you're dancing yeah oh (laughs) (laughs) But you can't rescue people from it, can you? No. We all want to. He wants to rescue Jeremy in this case. Yeah. He tells Troy he wants to do a Klingon ritual that will bond the two of them together for life, which seems pretty intense because, you know, Jeremy's never met him. Yeah. And yeah. Troy, Troy kind of picks up on that, too. She's like, hey, you might want to tool it down a bit, bud. Yeah. She advises against showing too much affection or attention to him too soon after his mother's death because children feel they're betraying their parent if they give or accept love from a replacement person too soon. And then we get this. I only wish to honor his mother. I know. And I understand this means a great deal to you. But you must be prepared. He's very angry too. But his anger is deep inside him. When he touches it, it will strike out in many directions, including yours. Be with him. Talk to him, but don't rush this. When he's ready, we'll know. Hmm. Is that good advice as a therapist? Do you think that that sounds sound? It's so complex, isn't it? But it makes sense that you can't expect somebody who doesn't know the child and who the child may feel is responsible for their parents' death to go blundering in and offering to bond themselves together for life. Uh Uh-huh. And she's very aware that Jeremy needs to go through a certain process here and that it can't be rushed. Yeah. I think she does well. War finds Jeremy watching home movies with him and his mom smiling. And we see his cat Patches in his old house. It's like that show Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais show. Oh, right. Show. Yeah. Where the, he's always watching the videos of his wife that yeah. had died of cancer. Yeah. And that's him not being able to move on. And it shows us as the viewer how lovely she was and what their relationship was like. Yeah. How happy he was yeah. then in contrast to now. Worf introduces himself to Jeremy and tells him all Klingons hope to die as his mother died in the line of duty. That's interesting, isn't it? He's trying to give some honor to it. Yeah. Or at least give his perspective. That's how he sees it. Or just trying to put a positive spin on it as best he can, which is really inappropriate. But the kid, 
you know, he's very stoical and thoughtful yeah. about it. He doesn't seem to be like, huh? You know, yeah. like, oh, okay, sure. It is quite creepy how stoical he is. Yeah. But then I think that's supposed to be how people are in that oh, sure. time. I don't understand how they could be really, though. Jeremy's saying, I understand death. You know, he's been taught about it. And War says we may understand it, but we need to bring meaning to her death. We need to honour her. Perhaps we've got a bit of a tension between Starfleet insisting that children be prepared for death so it doesn't hurt them as much and they can take it with stoicism yeah. as part of living on a starship. Mm. And Worf saying this is an emotional thing. It's something that the person needs to be honoured. There needs to be ritual. Yeah. And face the messiness of it maybe more. Mm. Meanwhile, Dr. Crusher has called Wesley into her office. Wes obviously is feeling very unsettled about all this people wanting him to talk to Jeremy thing. Yeah, and him feeling everything coming back about his dad. Yeah. And that's quite a weight of responsibility to counsel a grieving child that you don't know, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and still kind of processing his, you know, mm -hmm. dredging up all these feelings for him as well. Yeah. Bev reminds him that unlike them who had each other, Jeremy, he doesn't have anybody else for support. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? I want my children to be kind and helpful and compassionate to other children, but then I also want to respect my children's boundaries and their feelings. I think that's difficult. It is. Say, for example, and it's a much lesser thing, I don't want any child to be left out mm -hmm. of play. Yeah. But then, should my children have to play with somebody who they don't like, what about their choice? What about their feelings? Yeah, that is a difficult balance because you don't want them to be cruel to yeah. other children. There's lots of people that you don't like that you don't hang out with yep. as well. <laughs> Nobody so. makes me. Yeah, because nobody makes you do it. So I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's different. I, I guess maybe have they just not given them a chance or is it that that kid is a jerk? A jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Here Bev's basically saying, nut up. We've got each other. We always had. Just go and help this kid. So Wesley tells her he'll think about it. And then she goes, OK, great. And just turns around and goes back to work. Yeah, well, He's obviously upset <laughs> by this whole thing. He then asks her about his dad and if she ever thinks about him mm. and he says some days like this he remembers every detail of the day he was told his dad died mm. and other days he can't even remember what his dad looked like yeah. Bev gives him a hug and says sometimes she can't get Jack out of her mind I think the people who wrote this know grief yeah, yeah. it feels that way for sure yeah. on the bridge data reports an odd energy buildup on the planet's surface and it's reaching up to touch the ship uh oh what's going mm. on Jeremy's alone in his quarters watching the old videos of his parents again. What are your thoughts on him being alone a lot of the time? Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about it. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't have some care. God, that's, yeah, that's totally messed up. He should have somebody with him just to sit with him. He's not yeah. quite a teenager, mm -hmm. he's 12. Maybe I, he's chosen to have privacy. Who, or, or maybe or in no the- no one knows. In, in the future, <laughs> they don't need supervisors because you've got computers that keep kids from doing stuff they're not supposed to do. Yeah, he, he wouldn't be in causing any trouble but what about his emotional yeah, emotional yeah. support yeah yeah that that's weird because i guess maybe from a script writing standpoint that would be another character you would have to introduce and deal yeah. with you know i was just about to say it could be really pushing his boundaries just to have some rando sitting in there with him just yeah. for the sake of emotional support but on a ship that he's been living on for years we can't say that his mom was the only person he knew oh yeah of <laughs> he's course he's got friends yeah he's got teachers yeah where are they yeah that's, you, you make a very good point, and mm. that would have been a very different script. Well, I didn't mind at the time. I didn't, I didn't even think about it. I didn't he was alone, but yeah, I, it moved quickly on. It didn't even cross my mind, yeah. But he's not alone, because his mom's back. What? Uh -oh. 
She is played by Susan Gay Powell. She was on various shows, including T.J. Hooker, another Star Trek yes, connection there, Shatner. and uh, the Six Million Dollar Man. This all was creepy. The stuff with her, mo- mm. with the mom coming back, and I, it was obviously supposed to be. That was the tension of the show. It's like, yes. what is going on? She's nice, and she never stops being nice. Yeah. She's the same woman that you see on the videos. Yeah. Uh, where does she get off having non-uniform day, though? Yeah. I guess in the videos, she was yeah. wearing that. This is her how she used to be on Earth, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Marla explains to Jeremy that the crew made a mistake and she's not actually dead. How many people have had a dream I like that about mm. their loved one? Sure. Where someone says it's okay, they're still, they're still here. She says she'll never leave him again. They'll live on the planet in a house just like they did on Earth. Oh, gosh. There's nothing down there, is there? No. Are you getting sad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Worf enters and summons Picard on his badge, who says don't do anything to antagonize it, and calls for backup. Marla leads Jeremy to the transporter room. Worf can't do anything, he just has to follow them. Mm. And she assumes Chief O'Brien will have no trouble at all in beaming (laughs) them down, but thankfully he doesn't. Picard and Troy catch up and Marla calmly explains about the happy life that they will lead on the planet. Picard refuses and then they forcefully take Jeremy away from the room with him shouting, Mom, no! And then the Marla entity vanishes. And the kid does a good job with this because he's asked to dial up the emotion more here and he's he's frightened and he's angry. And confused because it it doesn't make any sense to him. It's like, my mom's here. This is awesome news. Yeah, why is anyone pulling me away from her? What is going on? So this entity hasn't been cruel or mean in any way. Or Yeah, so we don't know exactly what's going on with it, who created it, why. Still the mystery. It's good stuff. I'm riveted. Yeah. In Jeremy's quarters, Troy is not super comforting, but I guess reality is the order of the day. What did you do to her? Jeremy, I don't know what that was, but it was not your mother. You saw her? She was here. Your mother's dead. But I touched her. She was real. Why would your real mother want you to go down to the planet? There's nothing there but dust and rocks. Oof. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got to deal with the truth that there is some kind of thing pretending to be his mother. but And for what reasons, we don't know. Yeah, but she looks and feels and is exactly like his mom. Suddenly, the room becomes his home on Earth, complete with Patches the cat. Marla comes back again and asks to take him to the planet where he can have all of this and be happy. Troy confirms for Picard that she senses this is all the entity seems to want to make him happy. Yeah, that it's not being duplicitous. It's, mm. it's, this is genuinely how it feels. LaForge remodulates the shields to block the energy from the planet. Marla and the recreations of the house immediately disappear. It's not going to be that easy. No. Uh, the energy being enters the ship again, this time like kind of as a floating cloud, of kind of zipping around. Light and, of light and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was using some kind of technology before, and now it's actually physically, well, as, as much as the energy being could be there, physically yeah. there. It's going into the computer. Yes. Uh, going from one to the other. Not hurting anyone yet. No. Well, it, dis- it, about to? Yeah. it knocks some security officers down, oh. and, and it transforms Jeremy's quarters again into his mm. old Earth home. LaForge gives the command to shut down all power to the transporters so Jeremy can't be taken. They set up force fields blocking the corridor either side of Jeremy's quarters. Picard talks to Jeremy and acknowledges how frightening this must be for him. He says we won't let any harm come to you. Picard talks to Marla and she explains that there was once two races of the Koinonans 
one energy, one of matter. Uh-huh. And the physical beings engaged in a massive civil war while the energy beings refused to get involved. Pacifism again. Yeah, yeah. The physical Koinonans destroyed themselves, leaving the energy beings with terrible guilt that they might have been able to avert the tragedy if they had acted. Mm. They vowed never to let the conflict hurt another person, so, so when the mine killed Marla, uh, they decided to take away the child's pain by replacing her. The being doesn't understand why Picard and company are so against this. <laughs> yeah. Your philosophy is curious, Captain. What is so noble about sorrow? I can provide him an existence where he will feel no pain, no anguish. It is at the heart of our nature to feel pain and joy. It is an essential part of what makes us what we are. He is alone now in your world, a child alone. How can you know he won't be happier with me? For a brief moment in time. He surely would be. Any of us in his place would be. What would Jeremy do for friends in your world? He will have any friends he needs. And will you provide for his education, his health, his growth, a career, a wife? Wow, that's a lot there to unpack, isn't it? I mean, if she has access to all of her memories and these experiences, this this entity, because it seems like she's able to recreate his home, his cat, yeah, his mom. The Apart way from she, the fact that she should be dead, she seems to be normal mom. To yeah, him. yeah, yeah. So is it wrong? Mm. Is that really such a bad thing? Yeah. And we'll I mean, just, we'll discuss it a bit more later. I mean, yeah, they. They bring up the fact, of course, anybody in this situation who lost a loved one would take that. Yeah. I want to say devil's bargain, but is it really mm. a devil's bargain? It delays your grieving process, doesn't it? Because he'll grow up and then everyone he meets will have yeah. been produced for him. Any partner that he wants to be with will have to be created for him. Any uh-huh. job that he wants to have will be pretend. Uh huh. There'll be a point, presumably, where he wants to live in the real world and he'll Leave. have to start grieving for her leave the planet all over again i don't yeah. know yeah it's, it's complex. so complex and we'll go into it more in concept yeah. and, and we want to hear what you all think too picard says she's offering him a memory to cherish not something to live in what reason would he have to live so to picard this would take the purpose out of life yeah as a human he must accept the death of someone he loves that is what makes us human yeah. i think he's essentially saying mm-hmm. well in comes wes affected by memories of when he was told his dad had died. He took it so well, says Picard. So you were prepared, and we get this. No, I wasn't prepared at all. How can anyone be prepared to hear that a parent is never coming home again? I tried to be what everyone expected of me, brave and mature. Wesley, are you saying that you didn't want anybody to see what you were really feeling. Or what were you really feeling? Like somebody had kicked me in the head. Somebody. Go on. You've wanted to tell him for a long time. I was angry at you. Go on, get stuck in, Troy says. Yes. Let's hash this out right here. Even I mean, it's, it's not really your time to do it. It's not your time He's to do it. He's modeling it. <laughs> but maybe him 
displaying these emotions yes. and talking about them will be a good example for Jeremy yeah. as well. Wesley says, you came home, my dad didn't. Wes claims that he's not angry anymore, but, but he seemed to yeah, be pretty angry he did, yeah. when he was talking about it. So there must be some feelings there. Troy says that Jeremy must also be angry at Worf. And Jeremy says, yeah. He finally cries. He cries. And he says, why weren't you the one that died? Why yeah. did my mom have to die? Yeah. And Picard says that Worf also lost his parents, too, when he was young. And we end with this. They were killed in battle when I was six. When I was alone, humans helped me. Let me help you. The Marla Aster I knew and honored is not in this room, nor does she await you on the planet. She now only lives here and here. Join me in the Rustai, the bonding. You will become part of my family now and for all time. We will be brothers. And from the room, we see Worf and Jeremy doing the Klingon ritual together. Yeah, these big candles are lighting other candles from. And then Worf presents him with a sash. I love how Worf says humans helped him. And now he's going to help a human in his grief. Yeah. They're going to be brothers. Love that too. I thought he was going to be his son or something like this, but it feels much more appropriate that they're brothers. Yeah, yeah. Love the candles, love the sashes, the honoring and the joining of the families. Mm Mm-hmm. And the energy being, seeing that Jeremy will be well looked after, leaves the ship. Yeah. What happens to Jeremy after that? No one knows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Vance guess he was taken to his aunt and uncle on Earth. I'm sure Worf never, ever communicated with him oh, ever again what? after that. Oh, what was man. part of the ritual then? Yeah, he was well, supposed to be his brother. Some platitudes there, let oh. me tell you. Well, you managed to be a brother from afar. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see my brother, but... You know, both my brother and I are adults. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. feel like if you were a kid and you were got, whoa, I've got a new cool Klingon brother, mm-hmm. you'd be. And no parents. And no parents. You'd want to be talking to him all the time, sending messages back and yeah. forth, getting to know him. Yeah. Well, maybe they're going to go into railing next uh, May holiday like you and your brother are. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, but probably Maybe we not. just don't see the days when Worf well, sends in birthday cards and checks in. There's some stuff about Worf uh, that we learned later that he's not great with kids. Oh. Uh, and it's kind of an ongoing joke within the Trek community. Of people making fun of Worf and his uh, his kid skills because they're pretty oh, pretty crap. Oh, Worfy! <laughs> it was a nice gesture, but you got to be able to follow through. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> All right, so let's get into concepts. The original story had Jeremy recreating his mom in the holodeck, but they didn't want to do another holodeck episode. Ah. Instead, they focused on grief, and this led to including Worf's story, him being an orphan too. Gene insisted children in the 24th century would have a greater acceptance of death. So that line that's running through it, that's coming from Gene. Mm. And it feels very much incongruous to what we experience now. But it's not out of the realm of possibilities that this kind of cultural change would happen. Sure. Although, can you really prepare a child for something like this? Pillar suggested the alien story to fit into Gene's vision because I guess Jeremy wouldn't have recreated his mom by choice in the holodeck because he would have accepted her death. Yeah. 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 It had to be imposed on him. So we had childhood grief, of course, as one of the big concepts, how to prepare them, how to tell them, be with them or leave them alone in this case. Troy brought the knowledge of what he needs to process it healthily. Mm-hmm. There are lots of models of looking at grief, but I think they're doing the best known one here. Denial, 
which was the process of his mom still being around and wanting to believe that she was real and then yeah. anger we don't get to see the bargaining depression and acceptance stages sure the story ends yeah. before. it's only a 40 minute show yeah. so it's only so much you can do some guidance from child bereavement uk let's see how they did in the episode against this sure. be clear honest and age appropriate in the information given i think picard did that yeah reassure them that they're not to blame and that different feelings are okay yeah i think troy did that yeah they didn't talk about blaming it in this case there was no possibility that he could think it was his fault i don't think mm -hmm. but she did reassure him about expressing feelings stick to normal routines and give a clear demonstration that important adults are there for them yes picard troy and Worf all offered to be there for yeah. him yeah, yeah. as we mentioned earlier there probably were other adults on the ship or should have been yeah who were close to him sure and, sh and would have been in that role uh, give them time to talk about what's happened, ask questions and build memories. Where's a little bit sure. started to open up that conversation? I guess Worf maybe a little bit. Yeah. Allow them to be listened to and given time to grieve in their own way. Not sure about that one. Yeah. I think it was a lot of people telling each other how he should be grieving rather than actually asking well, him how he felt. Yeah. Well, they, there's also the added complication of, of an entity pretending yes. to be his mother. So yes. that, that kind of throws everything out the window. If they'd been able to ask him what he wanted, he probably would have just gone with it, wouldn't he? Yeah. And then in contrast to the Starfleet notions of grief, we had the light beings approach. They wanted to make the pain go away, make him happy and stay in the denial stage. Yeah. So some things it made me think about were, what is it like to tell a child their parent has died? What's it like to feel responsible for that death? What is healthy grief? Yeah. It's all about being mortal again and loss being part of being human. Troy was used a lot more than we normally see her here in her capacity as counsellor. Yeah, finally. Yeah. This, this might honestly be the first episode <laughs> that she really actually does what she's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Uh, there's a cut scene between Troy and Jeremy regarding the boy's feelings towards his, about his mother's death. Ah, uh, so they did do more of that yeah. originally. Features Troy's description of her own experience of losing her father mm. as a child. And then there's also another scene with Troy getting Worf in a corner to discuss his feelings. So it was a more Troy-heavy episode. Um, oh, yeah. Originally, too. We've had many times before in Star Trek rejection of the unreal. Even if it saves a person from pain, they have to be in reality. What do you think if she could join him on the ship and everything else was real? Would that be different? Would that be okay? It's complicated. I don't know. I think from Starfleet's perspective, it wouldn't. No. Because it's not real. But would the lived experience of it be exactly the same as having your mom back? Well, as a kid, it's easier for a kid to be duped because mm. they're less experienced. For example, if you had passed away and some alien entity said, you know, I'll take her place. I don't think I would do that because mm. it's creepy. <laughs> yeah. you know like it just yeah. it wouldn't be you it would be something pretending to to be you it would be i'd never grow or have my own interests unless you kind of programmed me like an ai to go out and well i think it's have different. my own interests it's different than that because i mean that would be a whole other episode like you know i was thinking about this idea where he would make her on the holodeck and make a version of his mm. mom which is a different that's about ais and about making things into other things that we want. This is a, an intelligent entity that is making its choices. It would learn. 
it would change and grow. Mm. But would it grow and change as the entity or would it grow and change as your mother would grow and change? Yeah. And would it grow and change only in the mother role and not in any of the other roles a, a person would have? Yeah. And we're not sure how intelligent these things are, but they might be able to do something like this and it require very little of their brain power. Mm-hmm. You know, for them, it could be like keeping a pet and mm. that pet would be completely happy. All their needs would be met. They wouldn't want anything else. And I mean, obviously humans have pets and that's a beneficial relationship. But there's that idea of, well, if you knew it wasn't your mom, would you be okay with that? Mm-hmm. And How unsettling would that be? And she'd be immortal, presumably. Sure. But Unless I mean, you decided that she would live a normal life. Or she would age. Or, or yeah. if they could leave the planet, which mm. they don't really address in the episode. So if it has access to her memories, then maybe it is her. Mm, it's very all energy anyway. It's all very complicated <laughs> and interesting. That's why I'm going to give this a, a nine in concepts. Cool. So Picard, like Kirk before him, is insistent on reality and not comfort. So he becomes Worf's brother. They're two orphans united as a family together. Not really. Mm-hmm. There's no sentimentality or false comfort. Just I've got you. Mm-hmm. We're in this together. Yeah. And that's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Jamie couldn't follow through. <laughs> Data learns about grief, about why it's important how well you knew the person. Mm-hmm. And again, we had a race who'd killed themselves off through war. Yeah. So we've had that a lot lately, oh, yeah. as well as the pacifism sure. element. So for concepts, I'm going to give it nine and a half. Yeah, I would say, oh, gosh, nine. I'm, I'm say nine for sure, because I, I think there are other ones that are more mind-blowing than this particular one, but this definitely gives you a lot to think about. Yeah. Entertainment. It was compelling. It was mostly talking, wasn't mm. it? But I was so engaged in the emotion and the mystery of it that it moved quickly. Dawn brought the emotion from the start mm-hmm. and did a brilliant job with it. Yeah. And the music helped. Oh, yeah. The music was uh, really good. That was composer Dennis McCarthy. He writes here, I had a difficult time conveying the sense of loss the child was feeling while simultaneously not losing sight of the threat of the alien entity. I had to juxtapose one over the other without losing sight of either during the whole process. Oh, wow. That's interesting. It's melodic with a lot of sadness, but there's always that underlying threat, the potential of danger. Wow. Well, you did well. You, You played me like a puppet. Dennis? Yeah, there was a lot of uh, tears for me, and yeah. not only in this episode, but, but right, as, now. <laughs> right now and yes. talking about it. It's very emotional, very yeah. powerful Thinking stuff. Thinking about a child's grief well, or anyone's is just, yeah, it's going to well, get you. After the episode was over, we were quiet for a moment. You turned to me and said, Star Trek finally grew up. Yeah, it matured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something changed for yeah. me in this episode. A true ensemble piece as well. Yeah. And so moving you know we loved measure of amount as well obviously oh i did but then there was a lot of (laughs) crapping around and then you know maybe this is the beginning of the upward surge Uh (laughs) great work from will wheaton nice interaction with bev though it could have been longer really there's so much more they could have done they only have 40 minutes maybe they'll come back to their relationship later a bit haunting how well the kid was taking it convincing and understated but maybe wouldn't I felt for him, so I guess it worked. Moore yeah. wasn't keen on the actor, the writer. Oh, no. Mm. And the director had his doubts as well, apparently. Oh, no. Changing from one room set up to another. That's nice. Something to look at. Sure. Worf's ritual and the ceremonial sash. Nice. I'm not sure how they could have done this type of storyline better. Yeah, no. In the entertainment. 
So I'm going to give it a nine. Yeah, it was super entertaining in a different way. It wasn't joy entertaining. It was deep sadness, but connecting emotionally with these pretend people Mm -hmm. and this pretend situation. And it did that remarkably well. I mean, I remembered this episode, but and I know I've seen it a couple of times, but it just never really touched me like it did this this time because probably I wasn't doing the dishes while it was on in the background. I was actually sitting and getting invested in it. So I'm going to give it a, a nine as well. Writer Moore met Patrick Stewart and told him he'd been commissioned to write Defector. Have you, do you remember that one? Yes. Okay. Stewart apparently said, just remember one thing. The captain doesn't do enough screwing or shooting in this series. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. All right. Let's hope he put some of that in. Yeah, well, maybe mm. a bit. Talking but- of which, sex in it. Nope. 2.5. 2.5. <laughs> Stupid experts. No stupidity, really. Just the senseless loss of life. Mm-hmm. Unavoidable. Lots of support in place, including provision for different cultures. Yeah. Maybe I'll give him a bit of a stupid experts because people who knew Jeremy should have been there for him rather than these people. But then to have a story yeah. that we want to watch. I say it's, this is a flat out zero <laughs> on stupid experts. I think yeah. everybody did a great job. And this is the kind of care uh, that... A gosh, a human longs for you know the yeah. you know he puts his hand on Jeremy's hand and says you know nobody's alone on the Enterprise. It's like I want to be on the Enterprise. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Unless it's a world where you know you almost get the impression it's a ship where everybody's sort of kept in isolation cells until they're needed to go down on an away mission. <laughs> wheeled out for that and then put them back in their cell well i i don't think i think there's a thriving community and everybody Where gets along are they all then? hey they're doing little quartet performances yeah, and true. you're gonna see some theater stuff later on they're showing and, yeah. up for jezza though but look you this show is only 40 minutes long and they and, it's you like know, picard and troy said everybody nobody help the child it's my job <laughs> i'm gonna go back on my wharf thing here and say you know what just because it wasn't on screen doesn't mean it didn't happen what that wharf kept so wharf actually did and yeah. like he sent there's him no stuff way wharf wouldn't keep his pact uh, honor oh boy oh uh, you're in for some sour news with his jack son. yeah oh no <laughs> he's, wharf. he's a not a good dad he didn't uh, choose to have that <laughs> son in his family no that's right yeah <laughs> i guess he didn't do the ritual wow yeah so your guesses were pretty good yeah Troy was assigned to look after him. I thought they would transport him to another family. Other families mentioned. Maybe they did. Or they'll forget to use Troy and use Data and Worf. Yeah, Worf. Or Bev. Not really. But she got involved trying to get Wesley involved. I knew Wesley would be involved, but I got it wrong because it was about his dad, not yeah. about his missing his mum for a year. Sure, yeah. So, you know, not bad. Not bad. Well, this is... Man, we are on such an upward trajectory with star trek now he's the third season you're finally seeing the, the good stuff it's, it's gonna clang back down again a few it, times I'm it sure. will but it i've will. got hope now yeah i get it i get it you get it i'm getting it oh wow oh, now you said you're... you get it i have to come back in on it don't i <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, i think you're finally I got it. you're seeing what people get so freaking crazy about yeah. star trek for what it can be yes yes exactly. We're recording this in the middle of September, so if you've joined us since then, thank you so much. We'll be thanking you later. Yeah, and I want to thank all of our patrons because they are awesome. And without you, 
Rachel and I would have stopped doing this, and she probably never would have watched this episode. That's right, never. And I might not have watched it seriously and cried my eyes out like, uh, a, like a giant baby. Yeah. Everybody tell me how many tears you shed and what you think about it all. Okay. <laughs> uh, and with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek.